Welcome back to Movie Marathon. Uh, you're here with Mike and Murph. Uh, we are here for our September run. It is going to be called The Killer Threes, which is obviously a very fun play on the idea of killer bees. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, you know what? I I I, uh, I want to do something different. You want to change it <laughs> after, after hearing that? <laughs> you can't. Uh, you can only do it if it's a clever pun. Otherwise, the whole thing falls apart. <laughs> so we're watching. Uh, we're watching. What is the the shitty M Night Shyamalan one? And then all we're of doing them. What swarm? And then uh, <laughs> uh, we're gonna watch the beach. Was it the beach? The happening. The, the happening. happening. That's the that's okay. the M Night Shyamalan one. And then there's one with Michael Caine with the uh, bees. <laughs> there is. Yeah, it's like a, it's like a Erwin uh, Allen like disaster movie where like, killer, killer African bees. Yeah, it's Shyamalan. Okay, no, 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 it's not. Oh, Shyamalan. oh, I was like, it's I like checked out after seventies. Yeah, I checked yeah, out after yeah. the no, 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 no. No, Shyamalan did the happening, which was I think it was like bee, killer bee movie. Oh, was it? Okay, I never we watched could, it. We could do killer bees. I'm just saying. I'm just saying, or maybe that's or it's some kind of killer insect thing. Um, we could save that for the spring. I did watch. Ooh, I like that. Is a kid and it stuck with me. Um, I think it's called The Nest. It was another Fox Fifty Four special, and uh, it's about like a bunch of roaches just taking over the town. If, oh, if, if I remember it correctly, it's been a long time. But I was like, I, I, I don't think I could watch it as an adult. It's yeah, too, like, like that, I don't. Yeah, it's too much. <laughs> I don't know if I could ever watch Arachnophobia. I do not like spiders, and that sounds like a miserable way to spend like and two I hate hours. John Goodman. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Damn. Um, is it John I, Goodman I, that or like John Hurt? Or... Well, it's Jeff Daniels is the lead. Jeff Daniels, that's I who think, is okay. Is it John Goodman? Obviously, plays... I've never seen it. <laughs> I thought John Goodman played the. Uh... Well, I'm not Googling it because if I do, I'm going to get a bunch of pictures of spiders. <laughs> um, oh, it's um, good to know uh, you don't like spiders. But I thought John Goodman yeah. was the uh, the exterminator in that, that I think. Yeah, it makes sense for around that time. Iraq. How do you spell Iraq? Well, anyway, so uh, while you're looking that up, I'll uh, <laughs> take it. So the killer theories, uh, really, it's since the last movie we did was, was Raiders of the Lost Ark. The the movie, I think, is the greatest movie ever made. And uh, I thought it was appropriate to for the next for our next episode tonight. We do the movie you think is the best movie ever made. Uh, <laughs> uh, so, that, wait. so tonight we'll be doing Halloween three season of the witch. <laughs> It is, it, uh, and we're confirmed. It's got John Goodman as the thank God for that. It's definitely uh, uh, the coach from uh, Revenge of the Nerds era, John Goodman, too. <laughs> so, <laughs> uh, which is why I've just been watching Righteous Gemstones, and it's like old but beloved, like lovable, uh, um, John Goodman. So it's just, it's just weird to like see him today and then just go back 30 go back plus years and now, like oh yeah that's what we look like 30 something years ago when he's probably my <laughs> age <laughs> it's like... uh, that's great okay <laughs> so, so yeah, yeah i i sent you some ideas with we kind of in the time where it was we're going to be getting to um halloween kind of horror movie season um it seemed like we needed to do do a run of something and uh in keeping <laughs> it with it seemed like we needed to do it <laughs> yeah <laughs> dedication right well, and it seems like our uh our themes are basically not 
you know, not back in the day, you'd go into a blockbuster and they might have like a theme section. And uh, I wouldn't say our themes would necessarily make like an end cap at a blockbuster, but I don't know. Killer threes. I could see that maybe. I think, well, I, yeah, I, I think it's pretty close. I feel like it's definitely like a bargain bin at uh, maybe, Best Buy. Maybe that's exactly what we're doing. <laughs> Shitty themes at Blockbuster that you'd see, like, the uh, kid making $8 an hour came up with. It's definitely, if you're a production studio or distributor, if you needed to bundle a bunch of shitty DVDs together, this is probably the, the backbone. Oh, man, I, I would buy that DVD set in a heartbeat. <laughs> Yeah, I think the last DVD set you gave me was a Steven Seagal uh, four-parter. <laughs> and you're welcome. <laughs> it was funny because it was two old... One of them was um, Hard to Kill. It was like two old ones and two new ones. It was like Hard to Kill, I think The Glimmer Man, and then Exit Wounds. <laughs> the and I can't remember what the other one was, but it's like... It always <laughs> makes me laugh when I think about that era where they're like, there's this weird cross-section of like DMX and Steven uh, yeah. Seagal. <laughs> like a really important like interesting moment in uh in film man i would love to have heard dmx's thoughts about steven seagal <laughs> well the shame is that dmx is gone and steven seagal still here <laughs> that's yeah the, yeah it's <laughs> that's the sad punctuation on that story so um uh, yeah no, so, so I, I sent you like i was looking at what we should do and i was like looking at movies and kind of looking, i was like man a bunch of these third ones in the series would be really interesting to talk about because it's an interesting point in the in the series because either they figured it out <laughs> and they're really just hitting all like the beats of the series and like you know get or they they've done they ran out of they like, ran through everything in the first two and now they just take a wild turn <laughs> to something completely different um so I was like, I think that would give us a lot of material to talk about. It'd be super fun. Um, and then I think we both love Halloween three and kind of wanted to do Halloween. I remember 3 bonding over this when we were very young. I because we both, I remember we both could not, if I remember this right, we couldn't remember <laughs> what the hell movie this was. We're like, oh, the kid, the movie, the kids in the pumpkin mask, and his head <laughs> becomes crickets and snakes. It's like, oh yeah, for that. You wouldn't remember that Halloween, the series known for Michael Myers, who's not in this movie. <laughs> uh, that's, I didn't. Well, I, I saw this before I saw any of the other Halloween movies. But well, and, oh, and that your, is and, wild. And to your point on the series, so unlike everyone else, you're like, where are the masks? Where are the, like the Halloween mask? Where's uh, Connell Cochran? Like, where where's Tan Chalice? <laughs> well, I, I think there was enough out there in, in the zeitgeist. That this wasn't like a. It, it didn't lose money, but it wasn't well received. And this is also, I mean, the other thing that's important to caveat was this Halloween 3 landed at a time where sequels were not really a thing yet, or they were just beginning to to start uh, being more of a, a common practice. It wasn't and, as ingrained of, especially in like horror movies where you do, you keep like, oh, Michael Myers is the draw, like Jason is yeah. the draw, that, that you keep, you're going to keep them. It was like, oh, like this is... Um, yeah, well, it's a little. In case in point, the the game had shifted at this point, right? And we're going to talk about we we talk about the movies we're going to cover later. But uh, Friday the Thirteenth Part Three came out the same in nineteen eighty two, same year. It's interesting is Friday the Thirteenth is a follow on concept from Halloween, but they made three movies in two years, where it took four years for Halloween to do the same. Uh, largely because Carpenter and then Deborah Hill, who were the producers and then obviously the director on. The first one were very resistant to the idea of making more Halloween Michael Myers focused and, 
sequels. Yeah, I think that's important of why this is what it is. That yeah. I think, well, I mean, obviously John Carpenter didn't want to do Halloween 2 because thought Halloween was perfect. We like nailed it. Well, the story not, is he got it's diminishing returns and, and, and wrote the original yeah. script for Halloween 2. Which it shows. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I also would say like he's not wrong. Like No, he's not. There wasn't a, there's not a lot of like you quickly see how insane they take the Michael Myers story. Well, that's in the yeah. subsequent movies. So like, yeah, like there's not a lot of he's not a character with a lot of depth to him. So like, well, and so in eighty one, um, Michael or Halloween two comes out and it's written by Carpenter. It's produced by Hill. I think Dean Cundy's still the DP. They get they get a lot of people back, and and Carpenter's doing the music. They get a lot of people back from Halloween one, but Carpenter and Hill res- were resistant. A guy named Rick Rosenthal directs it, and it does okay. But Meyer, uh, they 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 make a point to try and kill off Michael Myers. So, um, producers come back around in late '81, and uh, they're like, "Hey, we're gonna make another sequel." And I, I guess it was one of these things where it, it sounded like, from what I've done my research, I I, I had done. Uh, Carpenter and Hill had the choice of either participating as producers and having some creative control over it, or just letting it go and becoming this whole other thing of more michael myers stuff so carpenter's entire idea revolved around creating halloween as an anthology series because if you spoiler if you haven't seen it at the end of halloween 2 michael myers looks like the fucking uh stay puff marshmallow man at the end of ghostbusters and he comes out of a out of a hospital of flaming wreck (laughs) clearly dead and so uh Carpenter taking that idea wanted to build an anthology series where they focus the story rather than around Michael Myers, they focus it around the horror stories that take place on Halloween, which is which is what gets us to season of the witch. Yes. <laughs> so uh which which unfortunately yeah, for season of the witch had um it had it also had uh three different writers uh, involved in it, which might explain a lot of what we get here. <laughs> Uh, so <laughs> no, go for it. You just you uh, laugh and you just enjoy it. Yeah, and I've totally lost my train of thought now. Um, but <laughs> I'll keep going with all the fun facts. I I, get I, a lot I think of what really hurts this. the movie. I think it. And I mean, I obviously wasn't around to know this, but from what I've heard from people who went to go see this, I think it was just poorly marketed because I've heard people talk about they didn't know Michael Myers wasn't going to be in it. And so, yeah, like, I, I, if you're gonna do this, <laughs> and I, I mean, I guess I could kind of see like, oh, we killed Michael Myers, and nothing we're showing in the trailer of this movie <laughs> looks like a that, Michael Myers movie. I gotta uh, go back but, and watch the trailer for this. I haven't done that yet. Um, but it's also it's like, oh, Halloween they have Michael Myers. Like, so I could see like, it just was never gonna overcome that hurdle if that's what you were showing up to the theater thinking about and that was going to be the word of mouth and that and so then it why it took so many years to kind of find its its way into uh having a following yeah i mean i I would argue probably took about 30 years which is a long time um obviously uh and i i I think it kind of was a this comes on the heels of the same year or yeah same year i think that that carpenter did the thing that was a big flop and then he and then he was a producer on this and you could argue he had some writing credit tangentially to it so it's like carp this 
This was like one more nail in the coffin for Carpenter in the in the early '80s. Like he he is on this really good run, and all of a sudden, you know, he has kind of two two stinkers back to back, and it's uh, interesting that 30 years on, everybody's like, "No, these movies are fantastic. I really enjoy yeah. them." <laughs> but it also tells you for Carpenter how gigantic the original Halloween was, and how much that bought him that. He had a number of flops that like could have been career killers, but it's like no, like he's still the guy who did Halloween. Like where it, it got him, Adrian Barbeau, like <laughs> doing something right. Uh, former playmate Adrian Barbeau. So, um, yeah. So, so the way this you, ends up, you getting... spent a lot of time researching that one. <laughs> yes. Uh, in fairness, I had a crush on her from watching Swamp Thing when I was a kid. So. <laughs> um, so I, I'd have to say that everything else she's been in otherwise is far more interesting the, than the one with uh, what's his name, Louis Jordan, Louis Jordan, and uh, <laughs> or no, wait, is he? Yeah, he plays Arcane, and then it's um, the guy Ray Wise plays um, oh, what is his name? What the fucking whatever the scientist name? I can't believe you know the characters' names from something. Uh, it's because <laughs> I, made, impressive. I made I made my wife go watch um. The Rift Tracks guys do a, they did it in theaters where they covered um, Swamp Thing 2. And so <laughs> it's a lot of the repeat of the the same, the same people. So, uh, okay. I, I, I've recently been caught up on, on Swamp Thing lore, <laughs> which is not a compliment for me. Oh, uh, man. I've not seen that for in a while. I, I, I <laughs> you're like, oh, your life sucks. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it sounds like your life is great. Not sure about your wife's life. <laughs> I mean, she had a good time, I think, at least to the extent that she was willing to reveal that. Yeah, at least it's people making fun of it. Like, yeah. Yeah. It's... If it was like earnestly watching Swamp Thing 2, I think we're going to yeah. probably have a different conversation after that. Did you uh, spill a beer on a bunch of their stuff again? <laughs> no, I did not. In fairness, that wasn't Rift Tracks. That was that other guy. It was TV's Frank. Oh, yeah. What do they call that one? Um um I, I don't remember oh like the mads or something or like, yeah, movies, yeah. Movies, movies i know i was signed po- i was signed poster of, of that movie I, uh, I, in my defense i did knock the beer over he did i just set it down next to a bunch of books that he was selling <laughs> and then i prefu- i should have bought a book from him i feel like an asshole i really should have bought a book and just been like i'm sorry i i'm an idiot <laughs> anyway yeah. TV's, tv's frank if you're listening i apologize and please come back to jacksonville um anyway uh halloween three so yeah uh so yeah so they were going for an anthology theme with this one uh interestingly again they got a lot of the same crew back they brought back uh tommy lee wallace who was the uh uh set designer i think for for halloween he'd also done some writing for i think carpenter on some stuff uh they bring back uh dean cundy for cinematography they bring back uh, Carpenter for music, as well as Alan Horvath, who uh, who does or helps with the score. Deborah Hill's a producer. Mustafa Akkad's still a producer. Um, it, it, they get the gang back together, and I think that contributes a lot to this having the same feel and same vibe as uh, Halloween's one and two. It just looks aesthetically, it looks really good. Um, I would say, I think. I don't know what it is, but I just really love this era of like Carpenter and Cundy together. Even though Carpenter's just a producer, it's just the aesthetic to me is like what I want an 80s horror movie to look like. And it's just, uh, yeah. So they're going for this anthology. Um, the original script was written by this guy named Nigel Neal, who I guess had done 
uh, British television uh, like scripts back in the 50s. And they they got him for this. And he's largely credited for a while the, the anti-Irish kind of sentiment <laughs> in this movie. <laughs> yeah, I think um, they tried, from what I understand, like they took a decent bit out. <laughs> they did. They toned back a lot of the anti-Irish stuff. <laughs> but it still kind of has like a little bit of the... <laughs> the vibe the vibe lived on yeah i think um i think while tommy lee wallace who directed this and also kind of has running credit for the final script i think he's on record saying that like uh there was some pretty overtly racist stuff towards the irish it's like well nigel neal's a brit so i could kind of i kind of get it it's also kind of the peak of uh the northern island conflict and all that so it's like it's not that surprising but yeah um uh nigel neal apparently was so mad about how much they changed the script that, that he insisted they take his name off of the project <laughs> so um in hindsight the, i think he was wrong the funniest story i ever heard about uh taking your name off a project or in this case not taking your name off a project um so you know matthew berry the, yeah. the fantasy football guy yeah so he was a screenwriter before he became the fantasy football guy and he and his writing partner uh helped write i think like crocodile dundee (laughs) three oh god but oh you're right go ahead keep going all right but because so the way like the guild like the guild union stuff works the first crocodile dundee was nominated for an oscar for like screenplay or something or like oh paul hogan took writing credit for it right right it's like paul hogan was oscar nominated and he was also a writer on the movie and once you have so the rules are like the the pay bump is significant if like one of the writers is like oscar nominated but you only get that if you keep your name on it if you take your name off then like you lose those kind of things and so, like, I guess the writing experience is horrible, and like Paul Hogan completely changed their script and stuff. It was like, like, well, we got to keep our names on it though, because this, this massive pay bump we get because this guy's an <laughs> Oscar nominated, get an Oscar nomination behind him, and so like, like we just have to keep our names on it. Like, we have to, we got to get the payday. I, uh, I feel for them because I've heard that story, and I've, I've I kind of get the sense that Paul Hogan has the the Stallone approach of like, I'm just yeah, going to rework exactly a couple of things, the vibe, but like not quite. The gonna, I'm going to take full credit for everything. That's like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Doing about a third of the work and taking full credit was, was what I've understood about Paul Hogan, which makes him sound probably <laughs> insufferable to work with. Yeah. And I, I think he was probably at a time too, where like his career was kind of like going a downward trajectory and so he's like desperately trying to like cling on to stuff and like wants control and all that so so yeah that sounds like that must have been a nightmare to have to deal with i feel bad for matthew barry but um that's kind of how nigel neal well not that bad but in this it sounded like he did not welcome constructive criticism (laughs) as, as i read it so he did the first script and then Carpenter redid that script. And then Tommy Lee Wallace came in and redid both of those scripts to, to bring us to what we have in front of us. But apparently uh, Nigel Neal's <laughs> script was 
more psychological and uh, supernatural than it was outright violence. And that was one of his problems with the movie was there's, and this is a fairly goreless movie. There's really only two kind of very gory. Right. But also I'd say like, motherfucker, you got hired to write a Halloween movie. (laughs) Like, well, I think, I don't know. There's a certain expectation of. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like some that, level of that was the controversy with part two was uh, Carpenter was actually ghost directing a couple of the more violent scenes because they, they were they're asking them to put more kills in the movie, I think, as a response to Friday the 13th uh, part mm. one and two. And so there's that's where the hot tub more. scene probably comes from <laughs> uh, the hot tub scene. And then there's a scene at the beginning, I believe, where. And I actually like that the opening where Michael's my, it's right after. Halloween one takes place. Michael's stalking around uh, Haddonfield and he there's a teenage girl who's on the phone and he breaks into her house for really for no other reason. And he just stabs her <laughs> and it's really bloody and gory. And apparently that was one of the ones they had Carpenter direct and, and do as an insert because they wanted to add, they wanted to kind of up the body count. So it doesn't, you know, it doesn't make a lot of sense to the plot why he's doing it, but in the greater in the grand scheme of things they're trying to put more surprises and kills in to keep up with friday the 13th which i think is 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 sad because that's that's where carpenter's mindset of of not doing more michael myers was to get away from exactly those those type of issues that's it's again uh, why yeah. we have halloween 3 yeah and so it makes sense there's a lot of people who hypothesize that halloween 3 if it had been halloween 2 Mm-hmm. That 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 the anthology series may have caught on a lot better, but now that they've introduced yeah. more with part two, it becomes this whole other thing, right? Because it's two people immediately kind of get like, oh, okay, they're just doing something different now, and like this is what it'll be. We'll get like something called Halloween three that'll be another horror movie, and like yeah, and like, yeah, that would have been if you're gonna do this, you needed to do it. They should have done it sooner, and. You could like I don't know like Halloween four if you wanted to go back and do another like Michael Myers story then you probably could, and people would be like oh they're gonna they're going back to that like this is gonna be awesome and like that'd probably be the way to the way to go with that. Well, unfortunately, it didn't quite work, and I actually think it's, yeah. what's interesting and it, it's funny that Halloween launched the slasher genre at least in the U.S. Um, Friday the Thirteenth takes it eats its lunch pretty quick, and then after this flops, or at least is perceived to be a, a bad movie, even though it did okay at the box office. Um, Halloween as a series goes into hibernation for about six years, and so it comes back out of hibernation right when I would say the slasher genre is waning pretty heavily because I think yeah it comes out uh, Halloween for the return of Michael Myers, which they leaned into that <laughs> pretty hard for obvious reasons. Um, uh, comes out in '88, which I. Th- think is either the same year or the year before jason takes manhattan so at that point yeah, i know Halloween, like, or yeah, 30, I'd, I was like, yeah like they've eclipsed them 2x at that point well, like, like friday the 13th had like jumped the shark like four times at uh, that yeah, point that's true because <laughs> like, on paper jason's dead and we'll talk about i can't wait to talk about friday the 13th part three either <laughs> But Jason's dead at least four movies before Friday the 13th Part 8 takes place. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, so we get we get this story instead for Halloween 3. Uh, instead of, there no Michael Myers, but in its place, we do get... Uh, the story a, of Dan Chalice. That's exactly. It's like, I can't... 
I, I think all of our notes revolve around a uh, the, the life and times of Dr. Dan Chow. Oh, <laughs> uh, and I love it. I, I would watch a sequel or a prequel of just him going about his life. <laughs> Would you watch like a TV medical drama of Dan, of Dan Chalice at this at the, like this uh, weekend percent. clinic? <laughs> I, yeah, I, I would too, actually. You know, like I, I'm Peacock. I keep getting this stuff about like the uh, the Continental John Wick spinoff TV show. Yeah, and I'm like, you know, what? I'll probably never, never really ever watch that. And that's like, I hear like amazing things, but even then, like, I, there's just so much content. I'll probably never like dig into that, but like. If something popped up and it was like the Dan Chalice story, I'd be like, well, I'm definitely watching that. Like, that's going on right now. I, I would watch it. I think you could do it as a TV drama. And it's uh, it's all predicated around uh, why he's divorced, why his <laughs> kids probably hate him. Uh, I, I I would hypothesize that he's got a couple of um, investigations into whether he should keep his medical license or not. <laughs> a couple? <laughs> a couple. He may be under active investigation. Twelve for, for losing his, <laughs> a couple losing dozen, maybe. <laughs> so, he, so I w- I would posit his kids don't hate him yet. That's a okay fair because th- he they're still young, and you see he shows up of like having bought them stuff, and I think that's his like go to move right now, where like he can just show up and like, but you see like how half assed it was, or he gets some like the shitty masks, and so like yeah. they're kind of learning like, oh like. Yeah, this, these are the ones they sell at like the gas station, not like the <laughs> Halloween store. Say, like, do they sell uh, Halloween masks at liquor stores? Because I'm guessing that's where he's spending but, a lot of his time. <laughs> yeah, like, they, they, these are the ones like McDonald's is giving away for free. Like, <laughs> you couldn't go to a yeah. spirit Halloween, Dan? No, I, I, I think he's he's too drunk. On, on the other hand, he made the right choice. He could have saved their lives. There is a weird, with those masks. There is a weird undercurrent of being a deadbeat and this actually pays off. <laughs> it's not yeah. it's not a good message. They're so casual about him being a kind of potentially not present divorced dad, an obvious alcoholic, and like but they're just so casual. Womanizer. There's no like consequences. There's no like moralizing about it. It's just like this is just who he is, and he's our hero. So yeah, <laughs> that's a good question. I'm not sure. There's like no judgment for. about it. There's no. It's just like <laughs> yeah. I, I I'm not. I'm unsure as, as to what they want to what they're trying to tell us. If if that's their perception of the average American man, or and 1982, they might not have been wrong. <laughs> because he never really has a call to action he just kind of falls ass backwards into everything that happens and and his motivation for all of it is either well it's one of two things either hey it's a good opportunity to go get drunk or it's a good opportunity to bang this 20 year old whose dad just died like that's his motivation all the way through this movie he's never like (laughs) he's never really like drunk in the movie but he's obviously drinking a lot and much of his life revolves around that and he's obviously dating and sleeping with many Every, women. Everybody. everybody. Yeah. Every professional woman he interacts with in this, he has either come on to or slept with. <laughs> and I... And, yeah, and it's like, watching the movie, it's just like, 
these are such interesting choices for our hero because it's never like he grows and learns from those. Like, it's just who he is. That is kind of <laughs> that is like I I really like the the sort of beginning of Act Two where where it, it opens with Dan sitting by himself at a bar watching TV with whiskey in his hand and he just looks per- he's watching cartoons. And you can tell it's daytime. You don't know what time of day it is. But he's just sitting there and he's just doing shots of whiskey, watching kids' cartoons. And like, yeah, that's just his life. <laughs> and then when Ellie, who's our our our, our uh lead heroine in this, uh, whose dad died under Dan Chalice's watch, uh comes in, she's like, Hey, I heard the nurses the nurses told me I could find you here. And it's just like, God damn, like that's the reputation that Chalice has got. It's just like, hey, go to this dumpy bar, you know, a couple of blocks probably from the hospital, and, and guess what? He's he's there. How bad is this guy's life? So, I will say the 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 color scheme of that bar though was was beautiful. I do like the really red and bright reds and greens. I, I would love to make a road trip there. Uh, it still exists. Apparently, it's in Sierra yeah, Madre. I've heard. <laughs> so we should go. Um, yeah. But I kind of appreciate for the movie, especially in this error, um, not error, error, era. God, I didn't don't really know if I can speak and say that any better than I did. But uh, that, there's no uh, there's not it's definitely a slasher time or like, oh, like if you're not a virgin, you die. You do drugs, you die. Um, I don't know. Yeah, I guess like, they're, they're still like, kind of establishing that at this point. Yeah, Dan Chalice is arguably like he's all of these things, and he survives the whole movie. right a way worse version of like all of this. Um, and although as someone who is a divorced dad, I kind of want to before I cast too much judgment. I just want to see him on a weekend where he has his kids, and just see how it goes. What do you and think? I was like, what do you think? I'm gonna guess not kids? great. <laughs> One, there's a woman they've never met before who's hanging out with them. <laughs> Who smokes inside. That is 100% happening. <laughs> like 50% of the time that the kids are with him. So that's an issue. Uh, they spend a lot of time at wherever they live. There's either like a zoo or there's Art. something... Or like a park where they spend a shitload of time there because he has no other ideas of what to do. <laughs> I, yeah, I grew up uh, with divorced parents, and I will say that does remind me of my dad. I do recall, I can't remember what her name was, but before he got remarried, uh, dating somebody who had a child who was similar to my age, and it was kind of like a, yeah, yeah, you guys go play with each other, and like <laughs> you, you guys go have fun outside on like the, the, the. Uh, what do you call it? The jungle gym in the backyard, or something like that. So, yeah, I think you're you're probably right. I think I think Dan's Dan's heavily phoning it in uh, anytime he's got custody. But I will say this movie posits that he probably doesn't get custody very often because it seems like it's pretty <laughs> normal for him just to call his ex wife and making a reason why he can't take the kids. So I was trying to gauge the ex wife where she is at. <laughs> Because she's obviously like oh, perpetually kind That's of fair. yeah right, and so like, but I was trying to gauge: is she also a shitty, selfish parent who like 
wants to go do her own stuff. And so she's mad because him not taking the kids is fucking up her life, like her adult life. Or is she mad because she's like, you're hurting your children because <laughs> they're growing up feeling their father doesn't love them. So you need to get your shit together. Yeah, they never really pick a direction like, on yeah, that. Yeah, we don't we don't I mean and it's that's not really a direction this movie needs to go. But but, but, but she dresses like uh Ned Flanders' wife all the <laughs> way through. <laughs> so I kind of feel like she's not going out. She feels like she's too prudish. Uh so the way it's funny because I don't know how this movie wants us to perceive her or Dan because they present her as being a pain in the ass ex-wife. But then they're also painting him as a drunk piece of shit. So it's like, yeah, right. I feel bad for these kids. These kids well, have no. On the one hand, he calls her and he's like, I can't come get the kids. And she like flips out and is pissed off. But like, we know it's like this bizarre murder suicide happened at the hospital and he needs to talk to the police. Yeah. And like, that's why he can't come get the kids. Then on the other hand, he calls her from a payphone with a six pack sitting on top of it. And he's like, <laughs> yeah, I get to drive uh, 200 miles to Northern California and investigate this, uh, this, this, this toy factory with, with a 19 year old. Yeah. I will. He, he lies. He just says, yeah, it's a doctor's conference. You're talking about boring stuff, but I got to go. It's yeah. Like, I, the more, yeah. The more we talk, it's just like, yeah, Dan Chalice, uh, turns out huge piece of shit. <laughs> so, yeah. No. <laughs> On the other um, hand, like for the kids, maybe for the best. Like, what that they they die with their heads explode in terms of snakes and. <laughs> do you think his kids die? Yes, I do. I do. They were watching um, the one channel. He didn't get turned off. I I I think I well we're we're gonna skip the ending, but yeah, I I think that because they they cut to before that whole scene plays out, they cut to his kids with the silver shamrock masks on, and and they're just bopping their heads back and forth watching the commercials in front of the TV. So I, I, I take that as his kids don't make it. So man, he's gonna he is gonna go on he's gonna go, on a, he's gonna, a he's gonna go on a slightly slightly worse bender than he was already gonna go on before this movie's events take place. Um on the other we, hand, maybe he could like cleans himself up and it's like no responsibility like oh i get my life together now <laughs> don't have these it. kids don't have these kids to worry about anymore i wonder if i can go back and have sex with that ellie robot that i left back in the woods <laughs> um yeah should... he went back and picked it up just in his closet <laughs> oh god uh i um we should talk about obviously we have to talk about uh the silver shamrock of all of this uh <laughs> Um, which so Silver Shamrock <laughs> yeah. is is the the featured toy company that or toy maker in this that is a uh, obviously Irish themed, and um, have these terrific uh, commercials that are scattered all the way throughout the movie. Uh, that's played to the tune of three more uh, days to yeah. At no point do they make you want to blow your brains out. It's time for the big giveaway. <laughs> <laughs> um it, it, if you had to make a list of like most annoying songs in movies this would have to definitely be top 
five, three, one. I got it. <laughs> but it's perfect for kids stuff. So it's this commercial of just a flash. Oh, it's, no, it's pretty, it feels like a 1982 commercial. Like, yeah, yeah, like like yeah. I could see this airing over a Toys R Us ad for Silver Shamrock Mats or something like that. <laughs> but yeah, no, it, it's perfect. You just can't shake it. Like whenever I watch this, it takes like four days for that that tune yeah, to get yes. out of my head. <laughs> yeah. And they play it. I'm sure there's somebody who's counted out there. Conservatively, I'd say they've played it 12 times in this movie. <laughs> That's funny. I was going to say 12 as well. <laughs> I, I'm just guessing. I have this feeling that it's at least 12 because when Dan's drinking, they're playing it. When his kids are watching TV, they're playing it. They're playing it over the 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 end where uh, the kids are they're out trick-or-treating on, on Halloween night. Um, and then, uh, tell me, come on. I know you looked it up. I'm trying to, yeah. Okay, all right. Well, I'm going to keep going. But it's it's the it's the tune of London Bridges falling down, and then it's got this weird slowed down voice <laughs> of um, Tommy Lee Wallace actually doing the commercial voice. Oh, let's hit, 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 hit me with it. This is saying fourteen times. All right, we're pretty close. We're pretty close. If we go by um, the Price is Right rules. We we just won, so we're okay. <laughs> Yeah, so, the Silver Shamrock theme song plays a total of 14 times throughout the movie. But it's, you know what? To their credit. Which is insane. It's <laughs> legitimately insane. But that sticks with you. Like, that was one of the takeaways I remember from that movie is that is that song and that that tone. I don't know what it is. But it's just one like, way, yeah. Props to them because it, it, it worked. I know I watched this when I was probably nine or 10. And, uh, I watched this close. So I have a seven year old. I was close enough to almost like, I wonder if like, is he ready for this? I don't know. And there's just like, yeah, probably a few scenes that are a little too much, but not, yeah, it's kind of not that, that bad. Hey, would you like to see a man who's out of shape? Uh, Would you like to see his bare ass? Great. I got a movie for you and terrible song. So we should, we should also note the only nudity in this is uh, Tom Atkins ass. All I wanted. Which I have a quick. All right. So I have another weird question for you. So he just like pulls on his pants, no underwear. Do you think he even wore underwear on this trip? You think he's so ready to like, like he's primed for this whole weekend to just go drink? Oh man. He's wearing those like tight 70s pants. Like, pants. Like that's going to be. You, you have to have underwear on with those. I can't even imagine how chafing the, oh. what that would be to not have underwear on. He's probably got a rash. <laughs> I think just just his inner thighs, just yeah. raw like, red it, skin. It, it's red skin, and it's got like a, a corduroy imprint. It's gonna just look <laughs> horrible. But um, we sh- I should know. We, you and I talked about it before, but you're drinking Miller High Life's uh, for this episode, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, that is Dan I think Chalice's he. Uh, uh, is he High Life or Genuine Draft? I think he's. Uh, I don't. I think that's high. Ooh, I don't know. Because it's a gold can with red lettering and like a green border. So, uh, all right. We should Google 1982. He's, li- he's living a high life. <laughs> he is. I uh, I think it's high life. Um, oh, wait. I typed 19, 1928. He's a champagne life. of beer kind of guy. Well, he's classy. So, it, it's a Miller. <laughs> yeah, it's a uh, high life. So, he's got a six-pack of high life. 
he's not even driving. Right, I he's made just, the right choice then. <laughs> he's pounding these beers in the car while, while a 20-year-old woman whose dad just died is driving him to a fucking toy factory to go investigate that guy's death. And you know what? He made the right choice because that 20-year-old is turned on by him <laughs> pounding that six-pack in the car, apparently, because she is ready to go when they get to the motel. Well, it's a little bit after that. And what's after is it's after he, he goes to the only liquor store in a um, uh, uh, a very small city. Yeah. After, you know, after pounding a six pack in the car in the drive, first thing he does when they get there is go out to go to the liquor store. And who does he share that liquor with? The local homeless guy. I ain't got no diseases or anything. Alco- alcoholics have to stick together. <laughs> They really do. And it's funny because it's a plot point in this of, of Dan having a drinking problem actually gives him lots of exposition for the third act. <laughs> so I, I I just, all of the choices in this are so delightfully weird. I just love them. Yeah. And, and this is one of them where they set up this homeless guy only to to have his head get torn off uh, a few moments later after, as, he's, as he's eating cheese whiz. And but maybe that's the enduring legacy of this of why it was like Dan Chalice, they truly made an everyman. <laughs> they did, but but like and, and with no judgment about it. And it's almost like, <laughs> like oh man, I want to go investigate a murder with a 19-year-old. <laughs> like, yeah. Who the fuck doesn't want to drink a whole bunch and yeah. And then I'm gonna hook up with her. And then I'm gonna make up an all, a fake identity, and I'm I'm not gonna be a, a doctor this weekend, and it's gonna all work. <laughs> a nineteen twenty year old who packed a lingerie to go to her father's funeral. <laughs> uh, yeah. Hey, you got to plan ahead. You never know. Um, it's true. It's true. So, I a question. So this is this is basically an invasion of the body snatchers movie, and it's based off the Don Siegel nineteen fifty six. Yeah, the, the partial like the um the Shamrock, the Connell Cochran, the well, I guess they're not they're not taking over people not, until until they do Ellie. Not quite, but it's it's sort of this the world at large is at risk. Is that well, that's the a main good question. character? Is he is he like this sort of irretrievably broken character like Dan Chalice is in this? Or is it <laughs> is he more of like a actual hero, you know, upright citizen or upstanding citizen that uh that that you you would want to be like because uh yeah dan's just a deadbeat in this <laughs> i don't know i mean he's seen like the people at the hospital seem to like him like his professional career seems to be going well like I, i'm not i'm like getting I, yeah I, I don't know like yeah i get it although on the other hand like he's pretty old to be on call, like call on the ER, maybe I, I don't know. I That's don't know how I that would have worked like in eighty two. I feel like he's forty five, and he is at the local, like a regional hospital that is like emergency, on call, like in on the call middle of the night. Only. Like yeah, like and they had maybe that's the only place he can get a job as a doctor still. <laughs> yes, that's what I think. So it, it's just it's it, it's interesting how. Well, no, I I know. Uh... <laughs> I'll maybe give you names after this. I don't want to say names, but there's a step down from that, and it's prison doctor. So, <laughs> uh, 
I, I assume do we know some mutual prison doctors? Uh, I I will tell you uh, when we're, we're not recording. <laughs> oh, terrific! I yeah. All right, I'm gonna write that one down. Um, so I can remember it later. Uh, but yeah, so I think he he's just this shit he like shit heel guy. Like I don't know how else to describe him. Like, but you know what? I love him. <laughs> he he has this weird one, charm about him it's tom, tom atkins, atkins. Is, it's all tom atkins yeah he's really a, has a charm to him so that that it goes a long way and <laughs> and he's a he's a repeat offender for the the carpenter crew because he's like he, a homeless man's harrison ford of <laughs> yeah but he's like just got a little bit of a charm to him where like you kind of put up with his bullshit but to, to your point i I can't tell you. You read this in your notes and made me laugh. I can't. He. It was like he was forty-five to fifty years old for twenty-five years. Like yeah. just, <laughs> yeah. he's 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 ageless because he's in a bunch of stuff around this time, and I, I like him in this. I do like him, but he's in. Uh, oh yeah, the, he's in a room. He's in like a yeah. He's in a bunch of stuff. He's in the fog uh, in 1980. He plays kind of a secondary role in. Um, Escape from New York. He's got a pretty good role as the detective in uh, Night of the Creeps. And then, of course, uh, my other favorite deadbeat dad, he is Michael Hunsacker in, <laughs> uh, in <laughs> Five Years Later. Yeah. <laughs> Which I had a question. I'll ask again Who's the shittier dad? Um, Dan Chalice, who has a drinking problem and kind of kind of ignores his kids, or Michael Hunsacker, who's super successful uh, and yet lets his daughter become a coke-addicted coke prostitute. Yeah, so, like, <laughs> we don't see what happens to Dan Chalice's kid, so it's a little unfair, but it's got to be Hunsacker. Like, given, like... Yeah, oh, yeah, we should also mention uh, Hunsacker's The consequences other... for his child in that and, one. And his other backstory is he's using a bank to front CIA-backed uh, drug importation into the United States. So, so I, I kind of feel there's, like, a like 20% chance... Michael Hunsacker is what like Dan Chalice after this movie does just go become Michael Hunsacker. (laughs) Like gets remarried, retroactively fights in Vietnam with Danny Glover, and starts a bank in Southern California. So so he he moves he moves to LA. (laughs) He finds a woman he used to date who he never knew they had a kid together. That's they get fine. married. Well, that's a that's a wide list. They get married when the girl's like thirteen, and now she's got this shitty stepdad coming into her life, and that sets her on the path of becoming. Well, a it inevitably happens to her. Of a, yeah, but so yeah, I, I uh, it's plausible. It is plausible, um, because Lethal Weapon does take place five years after after this, so there's a strong chance that that. He changes his name to Michael Hunsacker and, and reestablishes himself as, as a successful banker who uh it's always bothered me in Lethal Weapon, but he's drinking eggnog out of the carton, <laughs> but it's off of a serving table for a party at his daughter's funeral. So it's like, not only are you missing still, your own daughter's funeral, get that drinking problem. <laughs> you're drinking eggnog that you're gonna put back down for other people to consume at. Like, you're a sick piece of shit, Michael Hunsacker. 
Sounds like Dan Chalice. It does sound like Dan. I think it's suspiciously like Dan Chalice. So yeah. it's, mm-hmm. they probably are the same person. That's that's. <laughs> I mean, like I feel bad for 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 Tom Atkins. It's like, hey, you're, you're going to play a shithead for for, <laughs> for a lot of your career. Um, and I, I don't think that's who Tom Atkins I he, is. I think he did all right. Yeah, from what I've seen, he sounds like pretty good dude. Like a good guy. I mean, you never. I guess you never really know. Um, but like everything I've seen, especially around like this movie of him of like. Like he gets it and is cool with like oh like this kind of became a cult thing and like um yeah sure I'll be good spirited about <laughs> what people want out of this and uh, I I think the movie would be worse without him I'll say that so I I, I really enjoyed Tom Atkins in this just because he he brings a, a an interesting energy for the everyman in, in this and uh, I think the movie's better for it I don't I don't I think if you try to put it too much more of a serious character or actor into this it, it, the movie just becomes the movie just doesn't work yeah he's the right he, he's got the right energy yeah he's perfect for what this movie is <laughs> like, i'm trying to find a better way to say that um he, he, but he, he's delivering on what's asked of him for this movie maybe that's, and a, he's... that's the way to think and for what like the and because we need to get more into like the plot of this movie and some of the stuff for what all that is like he's um he can like sell this stuff but he's not going overboard he's not overacting no or anything of like he still can when you need him to be a believable hero he can still pull that off but then he can also pull off that he's kind of a sleazy deadbeat <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he, it makes the movie kind of like charmingly well. funny. <laughs> yeah, he does both well. I uh, excuse me, I agree. Well, look, speaking of speaking of cast, um, um, we've also got is our 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 antagonist Dan O'Hurley <laughs> playing Colonel Cochran, who I he will forever be the head of OCP to me. That's like <laughs> that's how I got introduced to him. Yeah, um, that's a tough one to. AKA boss of Dick Jones. And <laughs> yeah, it's hard. So, like, I, I feel it's very particular for our age. Yes. How huge like Robocop was. <laughs> like, yes. and, like how cool it seemed. And, like, so, like anyone in that is just immediately like that's what they're from. They're from Robocop. Yeah. Uh, um, and then um, I, uh, her name's going to, I think Stacy Nelkin who plays who plays Ellie in this. Um but yeah, the, the cast is not that big. And they the guy and then the guy who plays uh Buddy, uh who Buddy Buddy kept for cup for um I think the other movie I remember him in was he was either in Beastmaster or one of the Conan <laughs> movies. Which is weird because I think it was made the same year. And so it's this movie set in some ancient world. And he's got the yeah, exact say, same haircut. Yeah. He's got the exact same haircut. He's in Beastmaster. He's in Beastmaster. Okay. Yeah. But it's like him in like a loincloth with the same haircut as he has in this. So it's just like, <laughs> come on, guys. You're not even trying that hard to make this work. He's Sacco in the Beastmaster. He's, I always say he's Sacco in this. <laughs> yeah. Whatever that means. Um, oh, my God. Uh, yeah, we got to talk about his family. We do because that's one of the most memorable scenes in all of this. But uh, which, you know what? I would say that family make 
Dan Chalice seemed 20% better of a guy. All true. those people seem awful. Every everybody else introduced besides Ellie is a a multigrading and annoying and the yeah. <laughs> it's like and oh, this this guy seems like he'd be okay to spend like two hours with. <laughs> and the, oh, all these I, other I, people I, seem oh. awful to spend five minutes with. <laughs> yeah, I, I like um when they get to Santa Mira. Which I didn't, I, I I haven't seen it in a long time. Apparently, that's a reference to the original Invasion of the Body Snatchers, is Santa Mira, California. It's where it supposedly takes place. Oh, it's also okay. where the home oh, of cool. uh, of uh, Silver Shamrock is. And so, <laughs> um, uh, I, I enjoy that when Buddy's family pulls up when Dan's checking in to the to the uh, motel, his son Buddy Junior grabs his bike and then rides off and his mom's yelling at him. He just gives his mom the finger. And it's just like these yeah. These characters could not be any worse. That is like, why, I guess that or is why are why they so Dan's... I guess cause I guess because of what's gonna happen to the kid, you want to make him unlikable? I think so. But it's still a pretty jarring moment when they when they get to it, even if even yeah. as an unlikable character, because spoiler <laughs> alert, it's a it's a child having his face disintegrate into a pile of bugs and snakes that subsequently then kill his parents <laughs> while uh, Colonel Cochran's watching. So I <laughs> Okay. No flaws. No flaws in this. Alright, I think I think we need to uh dial back a bit. And what what's the plot of this movie? Uh evil toy maker, warlock kills a bunch of american children <laughs> that's the, the plot of this using a, warlock how, trickery how does he go about doing that <laughs> uh he uh he's some I, and this is i want to talk more about this but he yes. steals one of the blocks of stonehenge and then he he hacks off chunks of it to embed <laughs> into pogs pogs which he yeah. then attacks attaches to three fairly generic looking Halloween masks that he mass markets and then he buys more fucking ad time than somebody <laughs> yeah. does for the Super Bowl uh to 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 advertise this product for the big giveaway. And uh <laughs> that is And so and if he, you watch the ad with one of those masks on, that's what happens to the buddy junior who melts his head with bugs and snakes and stuff. Uh and this is all around some ancient, I guess, Irish, Scottish kind of ritual around Stonehenge of like, I guess, pagan kind of thing of you're going to this ritual. Like suppose, Supposedly they did this like 3000 years ago and now he's having to do it again. It seems a weird amount of time to say in between <laughs> you have to do this every 3000 years um but he has to sacrifice all these children for his own power cuz he's this evil warlock it, it gets it gets a little unclear what exactly his goals are and what exactly the rewards are for him for doing this. And my my hypothesis is he just wants all the candy for himself. That's actually yeah. secretly what he's out yeah. for. Because <laughs> he wants millions of pounds of candy. 
yeah his motivation is he keeps portraying this as a trick on all of the children but it's like well it's actually just it's like, like oh a, it's trick or tree and they're gonna get a trick when what we a melt trick their head with I, bugs or i kill half of a, america's children and like um, that's gonna give him some power from it <laughs> but yeah they don't really ever explain like what his intended in game is besides just oh uh, we left out the most important part did we this big giveaway is happening at 9 p.m. West Coast. <laughs> <laughs> but obviously when but this is supposed to be like a nationwide thing. They make a point of showing like the whole country. And it's like, well, Dayton, Ohio. Yeah. At 9 p.m. in Dayton, Ohio, when all these fucking kids die, like. Yeah, like, I, I don't, I don't it's think it's going to ruin the whole plan, buddy. Like no one else is like. It's a weird. It's a weird. It feels like they had a cool idea, and they just wanted to go with the idea. And they're like, "Well, does it make a lot of sense? shut the fuck up? We're just gonna go with this. It's gonna make a lot of sense, and it's gonna be perfect." And I, I do enjoy that the uh, the the cuts they have across all the different cities because it's just different places within like Pasadena or L.A. That they're <laughs> they shooting. Have- it's like, oh, look at that interesting Spanish bungalow in uh, Dayton, Ohio. <laughs> yeah, like, all right, come on, guys. Just, yeah. but I, I, that's that's one of those weird, quirky charms I really like about these movies. It's like I know it's dumb. Yeah. I know it, it doesn't yeah. make any sense, but I, 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 I enjoy the aesthetic. Well, it's the things like that that, like, when you watch that make the movie, you watch it like the third time, and you pick up on like things like that. Because you've like seen it, and so it's like, oh, like that's kind of funny and kind of dumb, and like it just, I don't <laughs> know, it just makes it rewatchable and like fun, and um, and like yeah, it's well, I I um we've talked about it. I'm actually interested. I would like to see a movie that's that's based exclusively around how a bunch of robots and a three thousand year old warlock go about. In the middle of the night, stealing yes. a chunk of Stonehenge, and then getting Dude, it back to we've left, Northern we've California. Touched on it, but like he has a bunch of android robot things yeah. like working for him that are like these dudes in suits that are killer robots and murder a bunch of people in the movie. And apparently, they managed to steal part of Stonehenge. And I would love to see that prequel heist movie of. I feel like there's not enough of Cochrane yelling at these robots for being kind of okay and autonomous, but not really good enough to really pull a, a plot like that off on their own. They can't talk. They look like a bunch of uh, 1982 businessmen because they're wearing dark gray suits and have all have interesting uh, haircuts. I will say a lot of, <laughs> a, a lot of the themes of the robots seem to be, um butt cuts or comb overs all the way through uh so it's interesting how the hairstyles of this this go for the the robots but i would love to just see ahead of this plot just colonel cochran ripping into the robots for you know dropping stonehenge or it feels like Gru and the minions that's kind of what <laughs> that's kind of the vibe it gives off for, for people with kids who watch too much of uh despicable me so it's been 3000 years since apparently they did it. So but so prior to this this factory has been building for, to this moment. <laughs> but has just been making like children's 
toys and masks and apparently has a great reputation because buddy comes in and is like this is the best place in the world they have all these gags things they do and like um what gags please tell me what gags <laughs> uh you want to give you a couple the soft chainsaw sticky toilet paper sticky to in the dead dwarfed gag <laughs> which, uh, which I, the first two uh i can kind of put together a little bit the dead dwarf that gag <laughs> sorry i what I can't even imagine what that could be that you would purchase. <laughs> I feel like it has to be that scene from from Dirty Work where they 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 hire prostitutes to hide themselves. In the, I've never uh, seen so many dead prostitutes in my life. <laughs> yeah, just replace dead prostitutes with dead dwarfs, and you, you pretty yeah. much I think I think that's the prank. Like that's the that's the prank. Um, but sorry, I, I cut you off. You were saying uh, wh- what is this reputation? Well, like, I just I'm I'm. So Kyle Cochran has just been a business owner for like decades, as far as yeah. we know. It is and it's like legitimately running this business, preparing for this time. Like I, I yeah, that's a. What's he been doing for three thousand years? Like why did he wait so long? Because it does seem strange. He's like, well, I waited for modern democracy and commerce to come about, right? Like, just so I could eventually build in a colony of my home country. A toy factory, which two hundred years after its founding, I'll kill all of its children. It's like, just... yeah, what was he doing in like eighteen forty five? Like, I don't know, probably jerking off a horse. Yeah. <laughs> or did he go through a Dan Chalice period where he was, like, you know, kind of a deadbeat, <laughs> finding his way? And you know, it wasn't until like nineteen thirty two that he kind of started getting his <laughs> shit together. <laughs> Yeah, it had a, definitely had, feels... had a rough twenty eight hundred years. <laughs> it definitely feels like something went wrong for him, and and the movie is not anti children; it's just anti American. If you really want to step back and look at it, in terms of his frustration and, and how he's taken out on people, so I I don't know. I it's a uh, I I think it's one of those where if we spend too much time trying to look into it, it's just never going to make sense. Yeah, I do right. think that's yeah. that's kind of the fun of the anthology idea is they were just wanting to present interesting but scary scenarios that can take place on Halloween. Yeah. And, you right. know, I, I, <laughs> well, I, I, and he's got this technology to make these androids. You could yeah. just like take over the world with that. He really could. I mean, that do was... the invasion of the body snatcher stuff. Like, he yeah, could. like slowly infiltrate. The problem, the only problem you have is if you lightly punch them in the stomach, <laughs> you can kill them. And or if you lightly capture them between two two parked cars, they're done. So it's there. There. They the do ru- they do have some glaring weaknesses. <laughs> the rules around robots in this movie are very dicey. It seems like uh one, their blood is made of orange juice concentrate, and uh two, you a, a a drunk, feeble man can punch through their skin to disable them by just ripping on some wires. But so. they are awesome at crushing skulls. Yes, yes. So uh, weak on abs, strong on forearm strength in terms <laughs> of the robots. So it's a weird, it's a it's a weird program that uh, Carl Cochran's got these guys on. <laughs> Well, 
I, uh, I, I do want to point out. Thoughts. I do want to point out. It makes me makes me laugh. Uh, uh, Dick Warlock is a stunt guy in this. Uh, one, he has a terrific name, and two, he plays one of the robots. It's actually to that joke we're talking about. It's the robot. Feels like that could also be the title of this movie. Dick Warlock. Well, it is about a warlock, so you're right. It could be a Dick Warlock. Yeah. Yeah. So maybe maybe he's a Dick Warlock to all those robots. Um, and oh, uh, I think he is. I think he is too. I think uh, I think he's fucking these robots. Um, uh, so, so Dick Warlock it plays the kind of older looking salt and pepper uh, robot that Chalice punches a hole through. But then it's funny because in the next scene, he's got a clone of him right there next to him, and and there's a double take. And uh, uh, Warlock was also, uh, which makes me laugh because he looks really old in this. Uh, a year before this, he's he's Kurt Russell's stunt double in Escape from New York. And it's like, it, there's some pictures of them behind the scenes. And it's like, well, let's just put a wig on that guy and an eye patch. <laughs> yeah. It's like, nailed it. All right. <laughs> it looks just like Kurt Russell now. So everything's going to work out. But, but yeah, so. I really enjoy seeing Dick Warlock in this. I think his son is in this as well. I just got a um, Dick Warlock's son. Yeah. Oh wow. Um, Halloween. So, um, so also in this is uh Tom Atkins' wife at the time, I believe. Uh yes, Garn Stevens. She's playing uh, uh, Marge, who is the first one who gets her face melted off with the that is <laughs> with the brutal. mask. Absolutely. Brutal. Yeah, that's a pretty. I, I will say those deaths with those are pretty gruesome and intense, and like they're legit horror movie stuff of like kind of give you nightmares. Like, no, it's good. I, like, it's a really good effect. Yeah. Really, really good effect. It's a uh, Marge Gutman. <laughs> what a um, name! What a name! It's such a funny scene to me because it's Dan, it's Tom Atkins' wife, um, and this takes place with her being murdered accidentally in the room next door while he is having sex with a twenty-year-old <laughs> woman. What do you think yeah. that that was like on set to just have that dynamic of of they're not married anymore? So all I'll say is maybe <laughs> Halloween three is the reason for that. Yeah, I, I'd be curious to uh, hear the details on that. But uh, but yeah, so they there's like in the scenes like Tom Atkins is like burying his face in this like woman's breast. Um, but I guess that was intentional because she didn't want to show, she didn't want to do nudity, and so that's why. The move was for him to put his head on her in her breast so you wouldn't see anything. Um, oh, he puts more than his head on there. Um, but, but it's also like, yeah, when it's like, oh, like your wife's in this movie. Like, was she on set that day? And just, like just there? I was like, that's got to be pretty fucking awkward. Like, uh, it was. Like, again. It was. Yeah. I. Uh, yeah, it's. It's a very. uh Apparently that was one of the first scenes they shot too, which is, which is wild to think about that that's that's what they're doing. But uh, yeah, it, it's very overly sexual for for what it needs to be for this movie. It's uh, yeah. Okay, so Tom Atkins married to Garn Stevens. Uh, 
for nine years and then they get divorced. Uh, and then a year later, he he marries uh, someone else who he's still married to and they have a child. Uh, Janice Atkins. Yeah, so, I don't know hey. much about her. Uh, I can't. I mean, I guess I start Googling okay. that, but no, 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 no. It just. Um... But I, that's uh... a pretty quick uh, turnaround to get remarried. I would, I would yeah. kind of judge. So. Um, yeah. I, I don't know. I don't know. I don't want to throw speculate too much speculation. You know, hey, a lot of things could have been happening. Tom Atkins, eighty-seven, still happily married. I hope. Good for him. Yeah, yeah. Now, so, and yeah. he was. So he would have when they get divorced. I think he would have been fifty. <laughs> you know what? You're fifty. You can do whatever the fuck you want. <laughs> I guess. He definitely yeah. did. Clearly, he yeah. Did. But man, so he was fifty-one when he had a kid. That is old. That is that's. I I, I work with somebody old. who had kids in, in, into their mid forties, and it they've done very well, and and their and their career has been very very worthwhile and 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 rewarding. But it does like stress me out when I talk to him about it because I'm like, oh god, I I don't I don't know how you do that. Like it just seems super stressful, <laughs> super challenging to do that. Yeah, well, I, 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 um, they, our friend Jay, I just saw recently, and they're they're getting ready to have a baby. Um, yeah, true. Uh, obviously, we're all, you know, like forty, and I was like, Jesus Christ, that sounds awful. <laughs> like, oh, my dad like, had my dad had me at forty, and I'm just like, and uh, it's a little, it's a little different because I'm thinking of it from my perspective, where I have like, like teenagers, and so I'm thinking of like having a teenager and a baby at the same time and that sounds fucking miserable but if you have like a three or four year old and a baby like okay that's like you're in the same mode there a little bit it's it's a different scenario there no it it is but it it does sound challenging wow we were going really deep into it (laughs) (laughs) deep into tom atkins personal life hey it's a sorry dan chalice character he He, 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 demands He does introspection, I, uh, um, but yeah, I, we talked about it a little bit already. The cast in this is is super fun. Um, I I I enjoy in this all of the the forty five year old man or fifty year old man <laughs> sneaking around, kind of it, lurching, as, lurching as, from as we stuff. as we get older, it just keeps getting better. Yeah, I'm like, well, he's not really bent over that 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 much. And, so you and, know what he's doing great yeah I was like, eh, his back probably hurts i don't blame him and he's just kind of yeah. throwing himself behind fences i i enjoyed the whole uh third act of him playing hide and go seek with robots in toilet of her cells <laughs> terrassing around a small city in northern california what i loved about that is how fantastic the movie looks it does look good at that does... time for the night photography on film it looks amazing like it is really well done it's all de- it's dean cundy man i think yeah. that I, I don't remember if this is kind of officially and i know carpenter's just the producer here but i i think this might be the last time they work together professionally and uh because hmm. because cundy did the thing with carpenter directing the same year and then there's this and cundy was also the dp for halloween 2 i believe and so i Right after this, Cundy's career just like 
skyrocket. As I say, I, I could see that certainly. And um, that's that's what see. I because really, he goes big, big time. Well, three years from this, he, this. He, he's doing Back to the Future, and so that is like right. a, a huge launch pad for his career. After and then a decade after this, he's doing Jurassic Park. So he he becomes one of those kind of like one of those those big guys in in. Okay, um, he's still not after this. He's still not quite there. Yeah. Um. He's got a few even like TV movies, but then he he's a DP on Psycho two, which is the bad. big one for him yeah. is two years now eighty four. He does Romancing the Stone. Oh, okay. And that's what gets him back to the future. And then wasn't yes, that a yeah, Zemeckis kind of movie that. too? But then he does he does. Uh, yes, I I do think Zemeckis had. Was your Zemeckis had to do on that? No, he directed it. He was the yeah. director. That's right. Now that is the way look at like Zemeckis, kind of the that got Zemeckis like the keys are like, oh, you can make it. a hit, like yeah, because he was a big like kind of Spielberg protege, or yeah. if that's the right word, like I'm like no, this guy's gut, he's gonna do, it. and he just like kind of wasn't getting hits, and then finally Romancing the Stone hit, and it was like, yeah, now we can go with his Back to the Future idea, or like, uh, but Cundy comes back and does a Big Trouble in Little China the year he, after okay, Back he, to the Future. He, he does do okay. That yeah. okay, that's um, the last time I think they worked together. Because after that, um, I was watching. The but then day. it's like Who Framed Roger Rabbit, Roadhouse, um, Back to the Future two and three. Like it's just yeah, like Jurassic Park. Like yeah, it's Hook. It's doing huge. Blubber. That is true. <laughs> <laughs> I you know I I I really then, yeah the- then it kind of quickly falls off. <laughs> Cundy's uh, got like a 15 year real solid just crushing it run. Um which I yeah, I think there's a time where like in a, anyone who is that successful in a career is like, oh, I'm gonna do like interesting, challenging things. And then you hit a time of like oh, I have like I see what financial things I could set myself and my family up for if I no, that's true. I, I, I was just going to comment too. Like, we talked about a bunch, obviously, during the, the Indiana Jones run, but I forgot that Spielberg, until you said it, Spielberg executive produces Back to the Future. And it's just like, like, what is the count on every really good movie that came out of the 1980s that Spielberg, in one way or another, had his hand Because <laughs> it's like 50%. Like, there's got to be. Just well, some and crazy then statistic of, of even go to like our childhood, the animation he had his hand in for like like things like Tiny Toon Adventures and things or like Animaniacs. Or like I think like he they had uh, definitely like so yeah, it was it's just cr- like I can't imagine how much he was working. Like if he never did anything days- else after nineteen ninety three. He could still go down in history as one of the most prolific and probably successful yeah. directors or, or, or media guys because I you know it goes beyond just directing in, in history. It's crazy when you actually try and put all that in perspective. Um, yeah. So anyway, I, I again one of my one of my highlights for this movie it was always the aesthetic carries a lot of that little schlocky, little grainy kind of. Um, low budget look to it that but the dean cundy really spices it up with the the lighting and the cinematography in this i, I think tommy lee wallace when i when i did some research was making an active effort to try and make this look like a carpenter movie 
and, and have that see same, it. Yeah. same vibe. And I think it's, it's I, that's probably what we both there. respond to. Yeah, I think and so. it's to a degree that it, it has something of that. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I also enjoy too, to it, it, it's so much of them copying it that actually the, the picture. So Mike's background is a picture of Dan Chalice <laughs> uh, with a six pack of beer on a payphone. Uh, while he's calling his ex-wife to tell him that tell her that he will not be the dad that she needs him to be and uh, which was good i would say that has real they live vibes to it that shot kind of kind of because um i don't know well yeah i I, I, th- I think you're right like uh and i i didn't realize this i, I found this out today but they live is actually based on a short story from the, the early 60s about oh, okay. uh i think a hey, magician show or something um but the the place where that shot where they actually shot that that phone booth is a year before they're shooting michael myers uh bumping into somebody and getting news that uh. laurie strode is at the uh, hospital at uh haddonfield hospital and he then turns the corner and and then walks his ass onto the uh out to the um uh hospital to to start the second third act of that movie so that's how close i think a lot of this was the same crew was they're literally shooting the same locations as halloween yeah like we know where we can get a permit to shoot the like, yeah, yeah we can they just shoot it there we know that place and i also think for someone like kundi it probably helps with like yeah i've i know how to i can set a shot up there like i can yeah. like yeah like that's yeah. that will be quick and easy it's i have this theory that you know i'm going way off tangent now but I think Carpenter's at his best when he's got a lot of the same crew around him. Um, he uses a lot of the same people for the fog, a lot of the same people for Escape from New York, Halloween One. Yeah, that he maybe he knows what they can do. Yeah, and he can rely on the okay. I give this to them, and they'll. That's I. I that's their strength, and I can have them do that. Yeah, it, it makes sense to. It, it just it's a shame when you see that. The, the the you start plugging on some of the threads of his later stuff and it's just you, you can see that it just doesn't have the same caliber of talent or ability it, it it's a little bit of his career is so weird because he has his biggest hit i would argue and is his first first real movie and then after that it, it's always a little bit worse and worse and worse and worse and everything he kind of does after hit this crew dissipates just doesn't isn't as good um they live. I was watching They Live, and you know, visually and story wise, it's an interesting movie, but it's probably still not the, the quality of some of the other stuff. So, yeah, I've, I've always been conflicted a bit on They Live. I, I, I love the idea, I love the concept, I love a lot of things in it, but as a movie overall, I think I think it's got some stretches in it that aren't great it's it's pretty it can be pretty boring in the middle um from from what i was remembering um it's a lot of weird real twangy music and then uh rowdy rowdy Roddy piper just giving kind of confused looks uh, <laughs> that's a, that's and a I, premise. I also would maybe say i wouldn't mind seeing that with like kurt russell in the lead yeah i think you get a bunch just, of more fun yeah. energy out of that movie it feels like Carpenter's trying to make an earnest political statement in that movie. I think if you bring uh, Kurt Russell into it, it becomes too fun. And you might lose what the message is uh, supposed to be. That. But I, I, I don't fair, disagree with that. Fair, fair. I just, I just, yeah, maybe a slightly better actor, I guess, is all I'm. <laughs> That's a hey, WrestleMania 7. For. 
pretty good acting. So, well, hey, I, so know I, this... I am going to say the uh, Assault on Precinct 13 is before Halloween. It, uh, that's true. And that was a big yeah. hit. That's uh, well, I don't know if it's a big hit, but I would say that's a, it's a good, interesting movie for sure. Um, I think it was a big hit in Europe, and that was what helped kind mm, of help launch yeah. uh, Carpenter. Um, Michael Myers apparently is one of the promoters or distributors in the UK for how for Assault on Precinct 13, which helped kind of push um, Carpenter to that next stratosphere. And so that's how the, the name Michael Myers got into the Halloween franchise wow. uh, is that yep. distributor. So, um, hey, I know we're going to call this the uh, the killer killer threes, but I have to take <laughs> a killer P right now. So I'm going to pause <laughs> this. <laughs> I, I will. I will do the same. Excellent. All right, we are back. That was a a delightful killer Pete. Um, <laughs> um, man, we've been all over the map on this, but yeah, that that was one of the big things I, I wanted to to talk about was just I really, 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 you know, I, I saw this when I was probably nine or ten years old on Fox fifty four uh, on on network TV on a Saturday afternoon matinee around this probably this time of year a bit later and. The aesthetic of this movie to me has always been fantastic. I've really, really, really enjoyed the music in it. Uh, it's, I, I love Carpenter's stuff, as I talked about at length probably too many times. Um, but uh, the music in this too was something else that really stood out to me. It's Carpenter and Alan Horvath making uh, the the soundtrack together. I think they worked together pretty extensively the year before that this came out. They did the Halloween two soundtrack together. Uh, and it's got a much more synthy techno vibe to it uh, than the real original sort of piano-y score of the first one. Uh, they also, I think they did Escape from New York together. And then uh, I think they also did the original music for um, uh, Big Trouble in Little China. So, you know, Hmm. I, 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 I'm not quite sure. I don't, I don't know enough about music to actually sound important or smart about it. Other than just, <laughs> I really enjoy the, the score in this and it's, it's a lot of fun to me that, that, that yeah, I'm doing it. I enjoy it as well. And you, in the opening credits, how the score and also the visuals have a digital video quality to it. And the score kind of matches that of electronic nature. But and I think that fits thematically well with what, like Kyle Cochran's plan is of sending these digital, like taking children's addiction to television and these um, digital medium and exploiting it for his, and it kind of fits thematically with what it's with what um, I don't know with what the movie's doing. I think I, that's uh, well, as that much was... as like the movie can get crazy at times, like. I think mean, that's why it holds up in people. It's like beloved by many people because there are things like that where it's like, oh, there's a consistent vision here to a degree that you can watch and appreciate. Yeah, I, I, uh, I, I, I agree. I, I think um, that the movie's probably probably better for it. I, um, I completely lost my train of thought. Uh oh. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, oh I, my god! <laughs> oh my god! Where do we go from here? What do we do? <laughs> um, oh, I know. I was gonna say. Sorry. Uh, so Deborah Hill, who was producer on this and producer on a lot of Carpenter's um, early movies, her her idea for this whole thing was, um, 
bringing witches or witchcraft into the computer age and that was that was her sort of pitch Which, yeah, it's a pretty good idea <laughs> it's, it's a good idea it's an interesting idea i I, I like it. It's funny how little of the witchcraft you really get until the third act of, of the Stonehenge and then and then Colonel Cochran uh sort of revealing himself to be three thousand plus years old. Um I don't know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I I mean I had this question to you, but I I think I know the answer. I don't think you can make this movie in twenty twenty three and, and make it an interesting new idea um yeah well i mean i think what you'd naturally go is like making it like a tiktok thing yeah of like oh like everyone be here halloween night i'm gonna have like my big like i don't know like mr beast or something like, i'm gonna have my million dollar <laughs> giveaway on like <laughs> at 9 p.m at halloween and like uh, yeah so like you could do it and it's like but i think thematically like to really make it something like you'd have to find something more than that certainly like because that's been done is a pretty obvious it's also the, take the, it, it, or... it's the entire premise of the third act of um the kingsman like it, it's basically cell phones that that distribute this signal that, oh, yeah. that kills people <laughs> and you know destroys the world so it, it's it's that's that's what's you know it's funny it's just one of those things where technology just doesn't make this this idea better or, or, or how you do it better this can only exist in 1982 yeah yeah i agree uh it's yeah well one be a very weird movie to remake <laughs> like uh it's uh fair, fair. Like, uh which you kind of what you appreciate about it i it's It's its own unique. It's its own unique, unique thing it. of there this time is. and place. And okay, I say so much about it is unique and just of itself that yeah. like no other movie is like delivering this. <laughs> like it's a that's what yeah. No, it, it it has that kind of Bond movie five minutes in the future uh idea where it's it's not hmm. it, it 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 works perfectly in its time and space and it, you can't you can't do this in another period uh it does make me wish I, that they had, had a chance to, to try and do the anthology idea interestingly i think 10 years on from this carpenter does a, a quick run i think he does i'm not sure if he was a director of the whole thing he he's featured in it as an actor but he does body bags and uh that's like a small vignette slash anthology series that came out and uh he plays like a morgue operator in that <laughs> and so he's kind of he's kind of hamming it up but it's such a weird movie because it's got uh the guy who played uh lewis in revenge of the nerds and it's got uh mark hamill in it and i think there's Oh my God. Like I think I texted you like there's like Mark Hamill nudity in the movie like during a sex scene. It's like the only nudity <laughs> in the movie is like Mark Hamill's ass, and it's just a, it's such a weird movie. And Stacy Keach plays in a, a character where um, he gets hair implants, and the hair implants are trying to kill him, and so it's about his vanity slowly killing. It's 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 just like 
such a strange, strange, strange movie. And it's one of those where I wish, uh, and I'm sorry, it, it was directed by Toby Hooper and John Carpenter. Um, yeah, I think there's another guy, but then like there's got a bunch of like Sam Raimi is, uh, Raimi is in it. He he yeah As, he like, plays a part, a... like Wes Craven is good like a part. So obviously it's a bunch of like horror people coming together to. That's oh, true. It's true. It's got um, it's got. Man, I I have never. I need to watch this. What watch it? I will. I I will say. I think the first episode they do. I think it's three episodes. The first episode they do, which is with Robert Carradine, who played uh, Lewis from Prince the Nerds. Uh, that's the one that has Bill Raimi in it. And I think, or sorry, Sam Raimi in it. And I think that's probably the best of them. They get progressively cornier after that. I'll say. Okay. <laughs> like I think, I, if I remember correctly, I think the Mark Hamill one involves Mark Hamill playing for the Dodgers. If I'm not mistaken. <laughs> so, so it might actually pique your interest in like 1993 Dodgers lineup with Mark Hamill. All right, I have to look. I, I have to do a little more research. They're saying there's. There's a there's some things out there of like severely edited versions and like all right so I have to I have to check a little deeper into I have to do my into this research in this movie <laughs> it's a fun movie it's it's goofy yeah, but it's it's a fun movie um, okay and it's funny as I'm looking at it right now okay Mark Hamill on Letterbox is like 19 credits down <laughs> on the overall <laughs> list which seems strange. Roger Corman's in it. I mean, it, yeah, you're right. It's got a lot of um, kind of people who are in that orbit in 1993 that are in the movie. But it's a it's a fun, fun, silly horror movie if if you know if you're into that stuff. Um, yeah. So you and I both enjoy enjoy this. Do you think it's? Do you think this is what killed Halloween? For because a period of time, yeah, I think it was more the the slasher movie just oversaturation that occurred. That I, I don't think it was wrong to try to move away from that because it's insane. If you look at from like I don't know, like seventy nine to like eighty two, I and there are times where like there are multiple slasher movies coming out like every weekend for a stretch, and it's yeah. It's it's just it's insane. It just you can make them so cheap apparently, and potentially have. And that, I mean, everyone was chasing that, you know. Obviously, Halloween, but like anything that was successful could get so big. Um, and it seemed like oh, you just have a bunch of gore and a little nudity, and like maybe you get like a twenty million dollar hit or like yeah, and so like. I do think they were right to try to say, oh, we probably want to go a different direction um, from that. But I think the slasher genre just got killed and oversaturated more than this doing any damage to to the franchise. Um, because by the time this would have came out, if it was just still Michael Myers, yeah, it'd probably been a bigger draw than, you know, some other things coming out. But not that I I think people were winding down on on that we needed to bring something kind of new or unique to it. Maybe they were trying to grind down on Michael Myers. <laughs> well, because you see, after this Friday four, 
uh, Friday the 13th Part 4 goes to the final Friday, right? Um, Friday 13th Part 4 goes to... No, it goes to uh, A New Beginning, which is... They try and introduce... Five? Yeah, part, that's Part 5. Right, so I was going to say 4 is like the final oh, chapter. Yeah, I'm sorry. Yes, 4 is, four is the final so chapter. So they're, they're already selling that as... Oh, you have to come see this one because it's gonna be the last one. Yeah, that's um, true. That's kind true. of thing. And so, like, I think, yeah, I think at that point it was even when you had like a, a Jason, it was still people were like, yeah, I don't like, I don't have to go out, but it's like, oh, it's gonna be the final one. Like, we got to go see that. Like, what are they gonna gotta do? Go see it, bro. Got to see it. Last one. And then they quickly re. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like literally within within a, less than a year, they're like, we got to get another one out and get this thing going. I never yeah, thought about they, that statistic, but yeah, in eight years they made eight movies, which is which is wild. And then they go you know, five hours. They they make the twist of it's not actually Jason. It's actually this shitty B character that nobody was paying attention to <laughs> in the entire movie. But then six, they go to Jason versus Carrie, basically. No, that's seven. That's seven. So that's actually, seven. Oh, that's good... six, yeah, six is the one where they go a little more comedy. Yeah, six. It's a little six, funnier. You're actually to your point. It, it's the same. They kind of make the same mistake that that Halloween three does, which is they 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 forego actually having Michael Myers. And there was apparently a lot of people who were pushing back, expecting Michael Myers to to be in in Halloween three. Well, Friday the Thirteenth, you know, two years after this or three years after this, tries to pull the same thing. It doesn't go well, and they immediately like. Well, they they were much faster to respond than the Halloween franchise was, but yeah, but they go a more comedy route. Like, it's a little darker do. comedy, like a slapsticky attire, like that. Uh, and so they just kind of really throwing ideas yeah. at the wall of seeing what could like <laughs> going I, real gimmicky of what could what can hit. I, I I did laugh. I was listening to Taking Shape, which is the a book about the, all of the Halloween movies, and uh, they talk about the the lull that happens to the Halloween franchise from 1982 to 1988. And one of the things they talked about was Canon films was pitching John Carpenter on like a three or four <laughs> picture deal. If, he, oh my if God. he would come back and, and do another Halloween, like Michael yeah. Myers Halloween movie with them. And I'm like, just thinking about everything we've taught, we've covered on Canon. I'm like, God, I would have loved, I'm glad it didn't happen for everybody's involved, but I'm like, I would have loved to have seen a Canon films, especially in 1986. That was when it apparently took place that Deborah Hill and uh, John Carpenter sold out their positions on the Halloween franchise. But I would love to see what, what Golden and Globus would have done with all of this. Like how. how yeah. They would have turned out <laughs> and wild. They could have turned this like, I don't know. Just, I feel like sliding doors. It could have just been a fascinating, right? Just getting the alternate, movie. yeah, yeah, <laughs> the alternate universe where they just get to go crazy with it. So, I mean, you could argue that it's maybe what Miramax did with uh, In Dimension did with um, slasher movies in the nineties. You know, putting Buster yeah. Rhymes in a, in a Halloween movie. Oh man, I forgot about. It. So that's why I will say this. I'll Ooh, never say this. Man, is the worst. That is this wild. is not the worst. This is not the worst Halloween movie. It's just not because. Oh, not even close. Yeah, because you've got Buster Rhymes. Uh, uh, and then, uh, then they they let Rob Zombie make some. Those were. What do you think on those? I despise them. Okay. I find Same. them. 
I don't I don't think they're poorly made. I just think they are so not fun to watch. And like not that every movie has to be fun or anything, but like they're just not enjoyable to watch. It's like there's nothing it's just too dark. They're not interesting and deep enough to be like they're not exploring <laughs> like parts of humanity or things where it's like oh like yeah all these characters are bad like but like we're like it's it's not like a serious i don't know i guess i'm trying to think there are movies out there that aren't fun to watch but are very good and are important and artistic and like yeah it's delivering on a message but it's a it's a it's a difficult message and like like the yeah the rob zombie helpings they're not fun to watch (laughs) And they don't have like a message behind them, like anything worthwhile to me. Like, um, but like, I mean, I, I get like if that's like, I'm sure there are people who love them because if that's what you're looking for, that's the only thing like delivering it because they're gritty and nasty and like just not what I'm looking for out of it. Uh, me either. Uh, and there are a lot of people on Reddit. Uh, I'll tell you if you want to ever not like a movie series that you enjoy. Go look at the Reddit equivalent on uh, of that that fan group on on Reddit. Yeah, um, I did that for Indiana Jones and for Halloween, and they're both just no, it's a, people yeah. consumed with one upping each other, or proving or proving why um, one one of the movies they they like is better than everybody else's opinion. It's just awful. <laughs> yeah, miserable. <laughs> but no, I mean, how ha- 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 the, the later some of the later Halloween movies, it's funny they kept going with them into the nineties, but I I think. It's funny how, and this brings us back to the Killer Threes idea. Is it's the third movie they felt like they were they were creatively tapped out, and it pushed them in a very certain or very specific direction. And it's weird how Halloween started this genre. It doesn't work, but its biggest competitor at the time, which is Friday the Thirteenth, it does work because they double down on the whole Jason thing. Even yeah. and, they, and they did it. And it didn't make any sense when they did it, and they still doubled down on it. And we're like, all right, let's go. We're gonna. We're gonna and they kind of got like, this doesn't have to make sense. Yeah, like, they, where, they got like, it. They they read yeah. the room better than Carpenter did. Yeah, like we can just have this person killing people. That's yeah. all people. That's what. Uh, yeah, they figured out what the formula was of what people wanted to see, and it's, yeah. it's interesting yeah. that Halloween created it, and they they but they 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 lost. Well, it is, but it's it. the difference. Like Carpenter, it's. <laughs> an artist trying to express things in their Friday 13th producers are more like we're making money. Like, yeah, I think, uh, yeah. what was it? Um, uh, Sean Cunningham had, had previously directed adult films, like, like early. <laughs> so it's like, like Carpenter gonna... wants his films to be successful and make money so he can continue to make movies. Yeah. <laughs> Not I... because he's looking to make money. Yeah, yeah, it's not. It's yeah. I think that's a, that's a valid point. So I, uh, it's interesting. This is what, kind of why we want to do this series. Was Halloween three is sort of the example, or for a long time was the example of, of what can go wrong with with sequels, and 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 if you deviate too far, um, or you get too far out of your depth with create creative ability on the on the series, where where you you begin to cause problems, uh, and so. I think a lot of movies were predicated on not following the path of the ideas of what Halloween three was trying to do. 
Um, interestingly, mm-hmm. I'd say 30 years later, uh, there's at least a big enough cult following that maybe it maybe it shows that there was an appetite for it, but but the way it was delivered, the way it was advertised, it just didn't just didn't work at, at, in that moment. Yeah, that's fair. And I think the big yeah, I mean we touched on if they, this had been Halloween two, how different that could have been. But I, it's the interesting note, kind of the back and forth of producer kind of versus like writer director of what are we trying to deliver to the audience and who's reading what the audience now wants out of this and kind of like a franchise of the audience love this and they want more. And they kind of, you kind of got to run it into the ground until they're ready for you to make a big pivot like this. And Halloween hadn't been run into the ground yet. People were still ready for more of of that. Of the Michael Myers. They want the slasher Michael Myers. Jason yeah. people. Yeah. Um, and that you kind of get a, until people realize I don't want that anymore they're going to kind of keep wanting like you have to make them come to the place where they're like, okay, I'm ready for something different. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's interesting in the same year that this came out, Hello, or Friday 13th part three comes out. And that, again, they're doubling down on Jason and that, that doubles the box office of this. And it, it, it or more than doubles. It comes yeah. in at $36 million and it's, crazy. it's crazy because we're going to talk about it, but that movie that movie's got some serious flaws. It was actually made for less a million dollars less than this was, or actually half the half of what this was made for. And it's 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 why it's just. It's I mean, that's yeah, why there are so many of those movies because yeah. <laughs> can't lose if you if you look at the statistics on it. So it's yeah, you're right. They, yeah, they, I mean, just opened up and yeah, cleaned up. Profit wise, think like, about it, what would happen if if you kept making Michael Myers movies. And, or if you had the anthology, I think you you've had such an interesting but different trajectory of. Uh, you could argue that without if, if they had done that, you wouldn't have Paul Rudd. <laughs> he just wouldn't have made it. Never would have made it if it wasn't for Halloween. Never, never would have made it. Wow, they made him that made him leading main material right there. <laughs> so, Ugh. well, I, I uh, uh, we can certainly talk about what our favorite kills were in this because i think that that's that's an interesting point in this movie but what is your favorite dan chalice choice in this like what do you think like the most <laughs> shit heel choice that he makes is i uh, i think it's when he so they've already had one kind of like sex scene and they're lying <laughs> in bed together and she they start to kind of like get ready to like go at it again he's like wait how old are you <laughs> he's like oh <laughs> like oh buddy <laughs> like oh shit we're way, we're on that way one. fast that way yeah <laughs> we're way past it yeah that's a pretty good one that's a pretty good one i um oh man it's tough there's so many bad dan chalice choices in this um we didn't even talk about actually uh his professional uh football level um 
uh, uh, throw where he was able to throw a mask up onto a uh, with his <laughs> arms tied to his waist uh, onto a, a a a security camera. But I think I, I have to go with him passing the bottle to the to the homeless guy just to get information out of him. And, and he's a medical doctor, and he's okay with some guys saying, "I ain't got no diseases," and that's good enough yeah. for Dan Chalice to to take backwash from a guy living out of a shipping container with cheese boys. <laughs> it's just disgusting. Well, that brings me to my favorite kill. What's your favorite kill? Oh, well, never mind. That's it. I know it. The is homeless now. guy. <laughs> yeah. Getting uh, skull crushed. Skull crushed. Yeah, I, I I like um. I always really liked the 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 the, the death of Mister uh, Grimbridge at the beginning, where he gets his <laughs> skull pulled apart. It it's yeah. not it, it it it. I love it because it's it's both interesting and cheesy at the same time. Uh, there's a lot of hand, there's a lot of hand acting in that scene that I really enjoy of the guy reacting to pain, and he's just kind of like moving his hands like he's got spirit hands and spirit feet <laughs> and then he dies and just kind of like stops and that guy's like you know it's dead it's like no more spirit fingers after this so do do robot deaths count as deaths for this it, i will allow it i will i will allow it because the uh the after the <laughs> after the robot kills uh <laughs> yes. guy, he, he walks he walks to a car gets in pours gasoline all over himself and lights himself on fire <laughs> I, I it cracks it. me up every time. I don't know why. I don't know why. I didn't think about what your alternative was, which is just have the robot drive away. And I, I didn't even know why that entered, didn't even enter into my head. I'm like, <laughs> I've just accepted this for, for 30 years that this is how this needs to end. Is Well, because it's like, self-immolation. just drive away. And then like, okay, like if the cops are coming to pull you over 10 minutes down the road, like then you can do this. But like, yeah. <laughs> At least give yourself a chance. Yeah, like, well, like it's a waste of resources. Like, <laughs> yeah, Cochran seems to not give a shit about his robots, which is a real shame. Um, maybe there's some parallels between Cochran and how he feels about his robots, and Dan Chalice and how he feels about his own children. <laughs> They're just foils of each other, if you will. <laughs> We're not so different, you and I, Mister Chalice. Oh, that Dr. was Chalice. <laughs> that was missing. That was missing from this. And 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 you're you're we're about three inches away from being a Bond a Bond movie here. With, yeah, with well, the, the Carl Cochran and because well, they kind of have that moment where he, where he's like, "Oh, you're a medical man. You'll find this very interesting." And then he lays out the whole evil plot, and he's like, "What does it have to do with him being a medical man?" <laughs> it, uh, absolutely nothing. I I, I did enjoy the Dan Chalice escape of kicking the TV. There's a lot of Metal Gear Solid in this. Yeah. I, I, <laughs> like shitty bullshit moves are crawling through vents and doing yeah, weird like, like hiding little boxes. things to the bad guys. Yeah. Yeah. I uh uh, uh calling people remotely to, to try and get advice on 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 how to to stop the, the villain's plot. <laughs> You're right. You're right. I uh I, I would love to think that Hito Kojima was like watching this and he's like, huh, it's interesting. It's like, what if I took it out of a toy factory and I put it into a military base? What if we did that for a plot? And that's how Metal Gear Solid got born. Or Metal Gear got it. born, at least. I could see it. I could, too. I actually like to, to credit um, Tommy Lee Wallace for giving us Metal Gear Solid. 
which is something else we also bonded over when we were kids. Oh, um, yes. But yeah, <laughs> I, I I do enjoy the Dan Chalice, uh, out of shape middle middle aged man, uh, hoofing it through a air vent, and yeah. then and then um, finding um, uh, what's her name Ellie. So, and we talk about favorite kills. I should say runner runner up for me was the uh, Ellie robot that attacks Dan at the mm. very end, uh, because there's like four jump scares. That they give you I know. one body. <laughs> and they okay. really hit them hard. It's always like the jump scares always come with like a heavy like synth. Like, yeah, synth sting. To it. <laughs> like, yeah. And it's it's like I, that's jarring enough as itself. Never mind. The, Never like mind. The hand coming out of nowhere or something. Yeah. So she tries to strangle him in the car. They get in a car accident. Uh, then she tries to strangle him with one arm. And then he knocks her head off. And then he gets in the car. Yeah, it is four times. Then he gets in the car. The arm attacks him. That yeah. came that came off on the door. And then he gets out of the car. And then the body attacks him with no head again. <laughs> so I props to Cochrane, because he really built some strong ass robots. Well, some of them. Some of them. <laughs> some seem to just fall over dead yeah he, he, should have just, he should have had an army of ellies to actually make this that was the secret yeah, yeah that, that's where he missed he, fucked he would it have won army ellies well because dan chalice would have been yeah making love sweet love yeah. to all those robots yeah he just would have built an ellie robot to go make love to dan chalice it all would have worked that's actually true <laughs> um i do have to add <laughs> or, or or just you know weird. gave it gave him an open tab at the bar <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I, I think a bottle of Jack Daniels would have also subverted this plot too. <laughs> so. Like when when this so there's a time he comes and like uh Marge dies and there's if he would have just been like, Oh, I'm sorry, here. Go to the go to the here's like a like a two hundred dollar gift certificate to the liquor store. <laughs> On me. Like Hey, go wild, buddy. Um, by yeah. the way, there's a female there's there's a Fim bot in your hotel room. I'm going to speak yeah. that with you. So good luck. Have fun. I'll see you on November 1st. Ah, oh, man. I, I do have to ask more about one more death. Colonel Cochran, what the Makes hell no happened? sense. And he's so chill about it. He's, he's happy. Like, he looks happy. He's he like, you got me. After 3,000 years, I guess I'm just going to die and disappear in a blue light. And like, Turns I feel... Joke's on me. Yeah. I feel like it's positing... I'm doing a lot of legwork here, but it's yeah, like he, it's like he's um kind of a malevolent force that is going to come back. Yeah. Like I, like, I'm not really gonna die here because it's kind of him. Like, well, you beat me this time, but um, but yeah, he's just like, uh, you threw all the pogs over and it blew up all the robots <laughs> and. <laughs> It's blowing up these TVs and Stonehenge rock for some reason. And now I'm just going to disappear and die. It's like, okay, I guess that's how this works. But Mike, did you hear? Colonel Cochran's back and he's in Pogmore. <laughs> <laughs> um. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I, I, I oh just... my god, a sequel where he's the maker of pogs and there are pogs out there that are hey, gonna like kill the children it's every decade. He's back for whatever he's gonna do to kill children. So, let's do it. You and I, up, we could make it. 
I should go. I should go dig it around and dig around my garage. There, somewhere in my garage, there's my Pog collection from the early '90s. Yeah, I um, gave up my Desam. I, I'm not sure where they are now. Did he just look at them like, "What the hell do I do?" He kind of liked them, and then like, has I think has forgotten about them. <laughs> Probably exactly right. what I did with them. Yeah, they're they're not they're not. I'm not sure what you're. I I, I don't think any child of the 1990s could articulate how you were actually supposed to like like what are the rules of a game with them? right there was a <laughs> game you played with them and i kind of remember but like it was also like really impossible to make them do what they were supposed to do yeah you're supposed to like knock over s- the stacks right of you're them. supposed to have stacks of them like slam it but like the slammers yeah it was always like um never really quite worked and like yeah i, I could never really do it <laughs> I'm going to go on a limb. It was probably some asshole kind of like Carl Cochran came up with it and just decided he's to make a bunch of money off of. Well, scheme. no, I think what it was, I think it was started in like California and there were like these drinks that came with these like things in the lid and people would take them out and be like, Oh, we can do this game with it. And it was just a thing. And then it was like, Oh, well people seem to like these. So we'll start putting like little pictures on them. And then they just started selling them separately because people liked them. And like, so I think the kind of organically grew. I, but like, I could never get it to do what it was supposed to do. <laughs> I just remember I had the OJ Simpson trial, Ooh. uh, pogs. Oh my the, God. You had the, uh, Johnny Cochran pog. Sounds like those could be worth something. <laughs> It actually might be because I have I have all That's the original bizarre so, enough of yeah. yeah. The juice has still got it, baby. <laughs> um as long as OJ doesn't try and hold me at gunpoint to take it from me in a Las Vegas hotel room um. and my friend still. all right. Well, so what are we doing next? So we're we're on the killer threes. Okay. I think I think uh this is the ultimate killer three because it kind of killed the Halloween franchise, but I think there's some success <laughs> yeah. stories that come out from the, you know, third movies as well. Cause this is when there's, this is when the, the producers and the directors are swinging big on, on story and ideas. So all right, we haven't, we haven't done a fire starter yet, but to get a little, uh, George C. Scott energy, uh, in exorcist three next. All right. Jeffrey Dahmer's favorite movie. <laughs> really? Yeah. Yes. Why do you know that? <laughs> uh, I listened to the last podcast on the left. Ah, okay. Uh, and and then uh, I'm friends with Jeffrey Dahmer. I don't know what I'm supposed to say. <laughs> <laughs> Jeffrey Dahmer picked you up from a bar in the eighties and, uh, and <laughs> here I am. About it. He, he rejected me. That's how ugly I am. <laughs> uh, all right. It's all right. X is three Friday, the 13th, three D. I love it. Um, nightmare three. Yes. Which, I do want to confirm that that is uh that's DreamWorks. Yeah, I, I am. Because part two is the one with the whole the whole kind of gay subplot. Yes, it is Dream. That... Yes, which I love that one. We need to do that. I actually point, like part. But, uh... I, I I like part two again. I'd never seen it until we watched it. But yeah, uh, it is a so. it is Dream Warriors. Okay, but that that's a fun one too. Okay, is that the one where Heather Langenkamp comes back? And oh, and John Saxon yeah. come back. <laughs> I fucking oh, hope so. But yeah, Saxon. no, Heather Langenkamp's in it, and yeah. So you're talking about the love for Tom Atkins, John Saxon, <laughs> right there. <laughs> Serious dad energy in that guy. Yeah, I, I, I apparently have a type. <laughs> yes, you do. You have middle aged. Uh, <laughs> well, I, I'm not gonna say out of shape. Tom Atkins, maybe, but 
John Saxon's still got. Yeah, they're holding he's, it he's still together. Still bringing it pretty, in. Pretty uh, yeah. In, in yeah. Nightmare Three. All right. So originally on the schedule we had Jaws Three, but I think we decided that's that's not the right fall vibe. No. So we're gonna go zombies. And it was is it is it Day of the Dead? Uh, Day of the Dead is the sequel, I believe. So we have two options, and I think we can we can still game time it if we want to. In '85, you had two different movies coming out about zombies. You had Day of the Dead, which was a Romero based movie, which we're probably gonna recover Romero here soon. Or, and I I can't remember the name of the guy who 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 was his partner who did the other movie, but Return of the Living Dead, directed by directed and written by Dan O'Banion, came out in '85 as well. Um, that's kind of got the same energy as like a Friday the 13th part six, where it's kind of a horror slash comedy, like dark comedy. So I think it's going to be one of those two because, uh, uh, okay. Day of the Dead yeah. is, is, is streaming on, um, yeah, I should just watch that one recently. I think it's, on, I did too. It's on shutter. And yeah. I, I think, and then, uh, I'm not sure if Return of the Living Dead is still streaming, but it's, it was on. Amazon Prime for a while or, or Stars for a while. Well, uh, thanks to you, I own Return of the Living Dead, so that will not well, be an issue I, for me. <laughs> I also own it too because it is a hilarious, fantastic movie, and um, I would be good with either. So yeah, to your point, we're gonna do okay, uh, but we, yeah, we're gonna pivot to the zombie, and then uh, <laughs> we uh, need a new name for it because <laughs> on our spreadsheet you have dubbed it October. And I am, <laughs> I am not doing a October run. <laughs> uh, for no for no reason other than just I thought it was funny. I, uh, I don't but know. yeah, uh, no, I guess uh, I'm but, perpetually thirteen. That's why I named it. That. <laughs> uh, but we're doing a run of kind of classic horror movies. So right now, um, we have Rosemary's Baby, The Omen, Night of the Living Dead, and Psycho, um, and possibly some others we might try to work in there. Yeah, in that, but um, just say yeah. Friday the 13th takes place in October this year. And if we do not take advantage of that, what are we doing here? There, it's a fair point. So, I'm hoping that means that AMC or sci fi is gonna have like all of them playing on, on, on that day. Ooh. Yeah, but, definitely, they'll have, they'll have something planned. <laughs> But I'm also, uh, I also, I think you both, you and I both own the box sets of all those. So every day could be Friday the 13th if you want it to be, because I am dumb enough that I spend $150 on a box set of like ultra high def Blu rays <laughs> for the series. So anyway, which we kind of texted about this, but like, I've been hesitant on those ones because, like, I don't know if I want these in high def Blu ray. Like, I fell in love with them watching them on like shitty tvs on like, like not non-widescreen usa or like vhs or something and like yeah it's actually like, i it i don't know if it's gonna like spoil my love of these to watch them like in too good a quality uh it might uh this one for sure was definitely a little too much for me in, in 4k ultra because uh you just see a little too much of the seams but yeah so, uh, we'll see. I, so I was on i was watching on blu-ray and it was perfect it was like just shitty enough that it had been just the right spot. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just right. getting that uh, sweet, sweet Tom Atkins uh, moose knuckle, I think is what uh, yeah. your wife did. Uh, yeah. <laughs> was I, observing. I forgot about that. Yeah. My wife, um, my wife texted me and, and, and her biggest concern was 
uh, or she talked to me about it, that uh, all you see is Tom Atkins' balls because his pants are too tight all throughout this movie. And But America wanted it in 1982, or apparently not, based on the box office. I, I think they wanted it, they just weren't ready for it. That's the difference. Oh, it's, yeah, they weren't so, ready for it. They weren't ready. And that, that's why Lethal Weapon 2, or Lethal Weapon, huge hit. Huge hit, because you get Tom Atkins. America was knuckle. ready. America was ready. I think they're ready for Mel Gibson's ass and that, but who, who yeah, might judge? That, that, you know, a little bit of both. Yeah. Hey, you guys have an Australian guy who's pretty racist with a great butt. <laughs> we do. Perfect. Release it. So Gold. <laughs> gold. All right. Exorcist 3. Next week. Chicago. Crisscross. <laughs>